Thanks so much for joining us here on the Rivers Church Podcast. We see a church full of passionate people who reach the unchurched with the gospel of Jesus. Our heart is to equip people to love, live, and lead in God's kingdom. We hope you enjoy today's message and pray that it encourages you to be all that God has destined you to be. If you need anything, please feel free to reach out to us and check us out on our website at riverschurch.co. That's riverschurch.co. put me on audible. Okay, Matthew 25, 14 through 30. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted, him, entrusted his property to them. To one, he gave five talents of money and to the other two talents and to the other one talent, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received the five talents went at once and put his money to work and gained five more. So also the one with two talents gained two more. But the man who had received the one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money in that hole. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received the five talents brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five talents. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with the two talents also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two talents. See, I have gained you two more. So his master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received the one talent came. Master, he said, I know that you're a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. I was afraid and went out and hid your talent in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. And his master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So... You knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit at the bank so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. Take the talent from him and give it to those or give it to the ones who have who has the 10 talent. Give it to the one who has the 10 talent. Do you ever memorize another version of scripture? And then you read another version and it struggles. Okay, the one who has the 10 talents. For everyone who has will be given more and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have even what he has will be taken from him and throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Hey, why don't you join me as we pray before you have a seat. Lord, thank you so much for your word. Lord, I just ask that you would help me to convey the heart of your message today, of this passage we're looking at. Lord, I pray, Lord, that that we would be people who are faithful servants, every single one of us. And so, Lord, anoint these words, anoint our time. God, we're just praying for your spirit to move, to speak, uh, to have your way in us. Lord, our hearts are in a posture to receive from you over these next few moments. So, 
Lord, would you move? Would you have your way? We pray in our lives, Lord. And would you help the sons complete the sweep of the nuggets today? And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Why does everybody laugh when I make that prayer? Why? I don't get it. It's serious. This is serious, friends. Serious. All right, there's, a, there's this meeting that happened years ago that way back in the 1920s, I think it was 1923, it was like a meeting of who's who among powerful, influential businessmen. So this is like almost 100 years ago. Think about it, 1923. They met in Chicago, and these guys were like leaders in each of their respected industry, major influence and power and wealth. And it said they got together because they wanted to celebrate that, but they also wanted to continue to talk about how can we get more successful? How can we continue to improve what we're doing? How can we have more dominance in our different markets that we're all leading and so what's interesting about this gathering of men in Chicago back in the 1920s is what took place in their life 25 years later or over the next 25 years. Because these are men that you would look at, and according to the world's eyes, we would say they are at the pinnacle of success. They have arrived they have fame, notoriety, and they have all the money they could ever want. They are successful. But 25 years later, this is what a set of, this is what happens to these guys. And so I'll kind of walk through the different guys that were there. One of them was Charles Schwab. Okay, he was the president of the largest steel company at the time. 25 years later, he had already died a bankrupt man. Then there was Samuel Insull. He was the president of the largest utility company. He died broke. Then the president of the largest gas company, Howard Hobson, he was, he was there, but he developed a mental illness and he got put into an insane asylum. The uh, president of the New York Stock Exchange was also there. His name was Richard Whitney back in the 20s. And uh, 25 years later, he had just been released from prison. The president of the Bank of International Settlements was there, Leon Frazier. 25 years later, though, he had already taken his own life. The nation's greatest wheat speculator of the time, Arthur Cutton, he unfortunately died broke. The head of the world's greatest monopoly, Ivor Kruger, he was called the Match King. He also had already taken his own life. Member of President Harding's cabinet was there, Albert Fall. And he had, 25 years later, had just been given a pardon from prison so that he could go home and die at home. So he was released from prison so he could die at home. And then a guy named Jesse Livermore, he was the Wall Street bear at the time. Famous speculator, stock market guru. And unfortunately, by this time, he had already committed suicide as well. So what's interesting is what happened to these guys that had, at one point or another, achieved success. They had made it. They, were, they had arrived. And tw within 25 years, it's a story of tragedy, isn't it? And so you kind of ask the question, like, was it worth it? Was it really worth it? Now, to get money and to do good in business and all that, that's, there's nothing wrong in and of itself to do that, but if that's the pursuit of your life, if you and I feel like that's the pinnacle, that's when we arrive, then we are going after the wrong thing. Yet in our hearts, we long for that, we praise that, we study famous and rich people, and we kind of watch shows about them and read about them, and we, 
in our hearts sometimes want to be that. Yet Jesus, interestingly enough, spoke to that desire within our hearts. And 2,000 years ago, almost 2,000 years ago, he had this to say about what we should pursue, how we should live our life. And think about this, because you know, you've got the world's definition of success, but then you've got God's definition of success. You got success in the kingdom of this world, but then success in the kingdom of God. And so Jesus said in Mark 8, he says, then calling the crowd to join his disciples, he said, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, the gospel, you will save it. It's one of those interesting paradoxes of the kingdom of God. Because God's kingdom is different from the world's kingdom. It's really an upside down kingdom is what it is. And so Jesus is saying, you want to find life? You've got to lose your life. It's a paradox. If you want to experience this life that you really, really want to experience, then you've got to trust me, Jesus is saying, and let go of yourself, die to yourself so that I can give you life. And then what happens is he gives us not just life, it's an abundant life that Jesus has for us. And then Jesus goes on to say this. He says, what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? Interesting words that Jesus is speaking to this desire for us to be successful in this world, right? To achieve, to obtain, to have wealth, all that kind of stuff. He's like, if you get all that and lose your own soul, is it worth it? And so the obvious answer to Jesus' question is no. If I gain all of this and lose my soul, it is not worth it. Because success in God's kingdom is different than success in worldly kingdom. And so then it ends with this. If anyone is ashamed of me and my message in these adulterous and sinful days, the Son of Man will be ashamed. This is Jesus speaking of himself. He says, I'll be ashamed of that person when he, when, when he returns, saying, I'm going to return in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Friends, Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back. He is going to return. He's going to make this all right. Let's make sure that you and I pursue success the right way. Let's make sure we're living a successful life in God's eyes, not the world's eyes. And that's really what we talked about last week was part one of the secret to success. I'm giving you the secret to success. And the secret to success can go in contrary to sometimes the longing of our flesh, of our heart that's inside of us. And so we talked last week, you know, in part one about what is success, and success really is faithfulness. You being faithful to live at the center of God's will the best you possibly can in his grace, amen, but live at the center of God's will, that, my friends, is success. It's not a, destina- or it's not a, a destination, it's a journey. So today, you and I, we can be successful if we faithfully live in God's will. And so we talked about hearing those words at the end of our life. These are the words that I pray that you hear from God, from the master. Well done, good and faithful servant. Those are the words. Remember, we said we, we're not looking for well done, good and famous YouTuber. 
well done, good and successful, wealthy, rich businessman, whatever it is. Like it is we're not going after that. We're going after faithful servant. That's the goal. Well done, good and faithful servant. You hear those words. You have lived a successful life in God's eyes. And those are the eyes we need to be most concerned about. Not the eyes of the world looking at us, trying to impress them, but in God's eyes. Well done, good and faithful servant. So we're going to talk about that. Amy just read that passage there, that parable in Matthew 25. If you have your Bible, go to Matthew 25. We're going to be there uh, for the rest of this message, most of it at least. And going to look into this parable a little bit deeper and find out what does Jesus mean by faithful? How does he define faithful? You know, you, if you were to try to define faithful right now, what words what would come to your mind? What, what comes to your mind right now? Is it like consistent, right? That, that's faithful. Um, steadfast, loyal, reliable, steady, devout, all those kind of describe or define faithful, right? But what does Jesus mean in this parable when he says, well done, good and faithful servant? We're going to look at a definition of faithful in this parable here, Matthew 25. And so you notice that the master handed out talents to people. And did you notice that he gave one person five, one person two, another person one? Which, if, if you ever thought about this, like, that's not really fair. Why does some people get more and some people get less? Shouldn't we all have the same? Like, shouldn't we just kind of even the playing ground? Isn't life supposed to be fair? Aren't we all supposed to get a trophy at the end? Isn't that the goal? And we got to have the same amount of talents and, and gifts and all that kind of stuff, and it's like equal, 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 equal. But remember, this is a story about God's kingdom. Jesus is describing God's kingdom here. And so he's shown, hey, in God's kingdom, there, there's different things that take place in God gives and does as he wills, as he chooses. So whatever God gives you, be faithful with it, whatever it is. But he has given you. And the truth is, to all of us, he's given us all a lot. Amen. So we've got to be faithful with that. But just, it's kind of interesting. It's not about fair, even, everyone gets the same. No, 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 there's, there's difference. God's going to give some more and some less. That's up to him. The important thing is that you and I don't compare but we receive and are faithful with what we have. So Jesus is talking about talents here in this parable. Talents. Now, talent technically is a money. It's money. So that's what he's talking about money here. You know, that's why he says, hey, you could at least put this in the bank and it could have gotten interest and all that stuff. But as is always the case in, in parables, Jesus is talking about one thing, but he's meaning something else. Right? There's, there's, there's deeper meanings in these parables, these stories that Jesus tells. Like you go on in the rest of chapter 25, he starts talking about sheep and goats. So is he really talking about sheep and goats? No, he's talking about people, but he uses sheep and goats. And so he's talking about talent, but well, here's what Jesus means when he says talent. It's referring to our gifts, our time, our resources, and our abilities. That's what a talent is. So as we talk about talents and God giving out talents, we're talking about this. Gifts, time, resources, abilities. Basically, everything God has given you. That's what we're talking about. Everything that God has given you is represented by this term, talent. So one person was given five. One person was given two. The master comes back. Let's, let's just look again at 
this interaction when the master returns. Verse 19, after a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five talents brought the other five. Master, he says, you entrusted me with five talents. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. And the man of the two talents also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two talents. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Now, what I want to do is I want to personalize this parable here because it's just some abstract kind of people out there, you know, person one, person two, person three. Let's, let's give them names, okay? So the first person who's got five talents, that's Carlos. Let's call him Carlos. The second person who's got two talents, that's Jennifer, okay? Let's call her Jennifer. I know it says man, but man in generic sense, Jennifer, okay? And then the, the third one who got one talent is Ed. We got Carlos, we got Jennifer, and we got Ed. So Carlos got five. Jennifer got two. Master comes back, and Carlos comes up to the master and says, hey, you gave me five? Look, five more. What did he do? He multiplied what God had given him. Multiplied what the master had given him, and the master says, well done, good and faithful servant. Jennifer comes. You gave me two. Now, look, I got two more. Jennifer had multiplied what was given to her. The same answer was given. Well done, good and faithful servant. They were called faithful servants, but all they did was multiply what God had given them. You see, faithfulness here, God's kingdom, according to this parable, as Jesus is teaching us, faithfulness is you and I receiving what God has given us and multiplying it. Whatever you have, you are called to multiply. That is faithfulness. And so they're told, well done, good and faithful servants, because they multiplied their talents. All right, so then we have Ed here. Let's look at uh, Ed, and this is what Ed did with his talents. Uh, where are we at? Verse 24, the man who had received the one talent came. Ed came. Master, he says, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seeds. So I was afraid and went out and hid your talents in the ground. See? Here is what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvested where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, it would have received, received it back. I would have received it back with interest. Okay, so remember, Carlos and Jennifer called good and faithful servants, but all they did was multiply. Ed here took his talent, and what did he do with it? He buried it. Ed buries his gifts, his time, his abilities, his resources. He, he buries it. He does nothing with it. Now, you, you kind of get insight as to why he does this, too. Number one, you see that he doesn't truly understand the character of his master. I knew you were a hard man. You know, you're hard, and you're strong, you know, and so... He doesn't really understand the character of his master who wanted him to take what was given to him and use it, enjoy it, develop it, grow it, do something with this, have fun, multiply this. But he views him as hard and harsh. 
And then because of that, he is afraid. You see fear? He's like, I was afraid. He had fear inside of him, and fear robbed him of what he could have done with his talents. Fear will hold you and I back from what God wants to do in our life and through our life. Friends, fear is a killer. And we don't have to belabor that point anymore. We know. We feel it. We've been there. Uh, Fear will hold you back from experiencing all that God has for you. Fear will rob you of your future, the future that God has for you. I pray that you would kill fear in your life, confront that fear. And sometimes the phrase we like to use is, you might be a little bit scared, do it anyway, so just do it scared. And that's you killing fear in your life. You just kind of taking a step like, I'm still freaked out, but I'm going to do this scared, and I'm conquering that fear in my life. And so don't let fear hold you back. Don't let fear cause you to bury what God has given you. And that's what Ed did. He buried it, did nothing with it. Out of fear and not really understanding the character of his master. And the response that Ed gets back is, you wicked and lazy servant. Which is pretty harsh. Like, whoa. Whoa. Now notice he's called a servant. He's not considered an outsider. He's a servant. He is someone on the inside. He is a part of the kingdom. Yet, he didn't use, develop, grow, or multiply what God had given him. And so the response back was, you're wicked and you're lazy. You can see that God does not like laziness. He doesn't like laziness. Don't be lazy. God is a rewarder of those who not just seek him, but also work hard. Okay, It is important that you and I are hard workers. I think you should be the hardest worker at your job place. I think we as believers should stand out at how we work and how we interact with people. I think that is so, so important. Let's not be lazy servants. So Ed here is called a wicked and lazy servants. And so What we see here is how God views all this. So God views those who multiply their talents as good and faithful. God views those who bury or maintain their talents as wicked and lazy. What are you doing with the talents God has given you? Are you growing those? Are you developing those? Are you multiplying those? Don't maintain. Don't Barry, I don't think God has called you just to maintain, to hold down the fort, to kick it in cruise control and just kind of, I'm just got to make it till I make it, you know, and sometimes I'm going to fake it till I make it, you know, and and just kind of waiting for Jesus to come. No, don't maintain, grow, develop, multiply what God has given you. And as you multiply your talents and all that God has given you, you will hear God say in the end, well done, good and faithful servant. That's the goal, friends. I pray none of us here, wicked and lazy servant. I pray none of us. So really the goal, faithfulness, is multiplication. Faithfulness is multiplication. So whatever you put your hands to, whatever you do, whatever God has gifted you to do, I pray that it multiplies. That's my prayer for you. As we do things here at church, I think that's God's heart, is that what we do would multiply. 
so that it's not just impacting our life, but it's impacting other people's lives and more people's lives, that it multiplies. We've been talking about go groups all year. And success in go groups is not us for no more meeting for less of our lives. Success in go groups is multiplication. We, we, we get these go groups going. Some of you have already started them. I'd encourage you to, to start a go group, get together with people, talk about the word of God. Let God speak to you through his word. Talk about it with each other and, and just walk in obedience to what God is speaking to you. Share it with other people. Invite other people in. We want these go groups to get more people and then we multiply. We get more people and we multiply. Success in go groups is multiplication. Multiplication is God's heart because he wants all to be saved and to be in relationship with him. So multiplication is very important. This is something we're talking about a lot within our leadership team here at Rivers Church, that God's heart is multiplication. Now, you notice today, if you've been around here, you know that a lot of our key, actually most of our key leaders and pastors are gone this, this Sunday. And we sent four pastor couples to a marriage retreat for the weekend. So they're enjoying a marriage retreat. So it's kind of fun for them to be there. So the Ostroms are there. Uh, the Hennessys are there. The Mickles are there. Pastor Miguel and, and Patty, they're also there as well, our Spanish church pastors. And so they're all there. And, um, and so we got other leaders that just, it's summer. So it's kind of random in summer. But uh, I'm glad they can do that. But we're missing them today. The point is this, is that uh, the leadership team, we've been talking about multiplication in all that we do. And so as we launch some really cool things this week, like this is the week of summer launch. We didn't even realize it, but we were launching something brand new every night of this week, except for Friday and Saturday. Every night, something is being launched. Tomorrow night, we got Monday Men. And men, we need to know if you're going to go. Let us know, please, like you said, so we can plan for food, okay? But we are launching Monday Men. We're, we're launching our ladies' Bible study on, on Wednesday night, uh, Flourish. And what, as we've launched these, we've talked about, let's think multiplication when we do this. Let's not just have a Bible study so that we can learn good stuff about God and ourselves, and, and then it's going to help me live a happier life. Let's think, how can we grow, not just get information, but I want this to transform my life and transform other people's lives, and we want this to multiply. What's gonna, we're, we're praying and just kind of thinking through and believing for things are going to multiply because we started some groups this summer. Don't know where it's going to go, what it's going to look like, but we're thinking and praying and talking multiplies. We do love where you live this week. Our goal is not just love one neighborhood. Our goal is to love multiple neighborhoods. That's the dream. But we got to start with one. So if you join us this Thursday, that'd be great. So I guess we're not doing something new every night, but there are four things happening because we're launching the youth house hangs. Youth house hangs starts on Wednesday night as well. So... um, It's kind of cool. It's the summer launch, but with everything we're doing, we're praying and thinking through multiplication right now because this is the heart of God. This is what he's called us to do. This is how he's called us to think, and this is how he's called us to use what God has given us. He's given you talents. He's given you gifts. Multiply that. Grow in that. Develop it. Don't bury them. I love what Peter says. Peter says this in 1 Peter 4. He says, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spirited, or spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. That's a great word from Peter. God's given you gifts. Use them well to serve one another. We want to use our gifts, and we don't want to just use our gifts. We want to grow and develop. We want to multiply our gifts. So at the end, we don't hear those words, you wicked 
and lazy servant. Now let's look at the end of this parable again. How does it end for Ed? Verse 28. Take the talent from Ed and give it to Carlos, the one who has 10 talents. Which again, this doesn't seem even fair, does it? But God, God rewards faithfulness and hard work, not laziness. And so Ed no longer has his one that he held onto, that he maintained. The master takes it and gives it to Carlos. Carlos now has 11, not just 10. For everyone who has will be given more, and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him and throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Again, I pray we don't hear those words. So this is my encouragement to you today, guys. Take what God has given you. Use it. Grow it. Multiply it. Don't bury it. I pray multiplication comes out of your life. That is what's going to help you and I hear these words. Well done, good and faithful servant, because faithfulness is linked to multiplication. Think about God's first command that he gave mankind way back in the beginning. He says, be fruitful and multiply. Genesis chapter 1, verse 28. That's where it's recorded. Then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. I love that verbiage there. So, question, do you think that this applies to just making babies? We kind of go there mentally. Oh, be fruitful and multiply. Be fruitful and multiply. No, no, this is bigger than that. It includes that, for sure. But whatever God has given you, all the resources that you have, be fruitful and multiply. All the, 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 the money, the, the, the stuff, the home, the, the gifts, the, whatever, all the talents that you have, be fruitful and multiply because God is, is, is calling you and I to grow and develop what we have and to rule and govern this earth here because through us, the kingdom of God grows. Through us, the kingdom of God advances on the gates of hell. There is a worldly kingdom that has their definition of success, but we got to show them what true success is, where true power is found, and where, uh, where life was meant to be lived. That's in relationship with God in the center of his kingdom. As we live in that place, we can advance his kingdom here on earth. And that's the goal. All right, so be faithful with what God has given you. We're called to be fruitful and multiply. Isn't that interesting? Fruitful. So here's what I would say. Success in the kingdom of God really comes down to these two words, faithfulness and fruit. Faithfulness and fruit. That's really what it is. Okay, remember, faithfulness is linked to multiplication. But being faithful and being fruitful, that's success in God's kingdom. And that's the goal. So how do we bear fruit? It's very important that we understand how to bear fruit. And Jesus gave us insight into this, didn't he? He says, you just gotta, you just gotta remain in me. Remain in me, and then the fruit will happen. So let's look at 
Just a couple of sentences of those words found in John 15. Verse 4, remain in me and I will remain in you, Jesus said. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. You believe those words? This is so important, so foundational, so core to our life right here, guys. You and I need to just really focus in on this constantly is that we just remain in him. Remain in him. I love the translation abide. Maybe your Bible says abide. It's this growing and becoming more aware of God's presence in our life. That's really the goal of remaining and and abiding. And I love that we sang that earlier today. We sang that song, Holy Spirit, you know, you're welcome here. And then that whole bridge that we sing over and over again, let us become more aware of your presence. That's the goal, is that as you and I live and grow, that we become more and more aware of his presence, more and more aware of his presence, alive and at work in our life. And this thought hit me as you were closing first service today is, you know, God has given us so much and we're called to use, develop, grow, in a sense, steward everything that God has given us. Multiply that. He has also given us himself. He has given us his presence. How are you stewarding the presence of God in your life? How are you growing and becoming more aware of the presence of God in your life? I pray that that grows as well. It's so important. So how do we do that? We've got to remain. We've got to stay connected. We've got to abide in him. It's this growing in awareness of God's presence in our life, alive and at work in our life. And as we do that, this, the fruit will happen. Remember, my grandparents had an apple tree in their backyard that me and all my cousins, we spent hours climbing that apple tree. Like, it was a huge apple tree. It was awesome. Great apples. Loved eating the apples off that tree. But... Hours spent climbing that apple tree. It's so much fun. You know, probably if I accumulated all the hours, it would probably equate to days, actually, in that apple tree. And, I, and all the time I spent in that apple tree, I don't ever, ever remember hearing any of the branches yelling and screaming and striving to produce apples. I got to do this. I got to... This has got to happen. I'm supposed to produce an apple. They didn't, I didn't see them fighting against the trunk of the tree. You will not force me to produce an apple. You know, I didn't see that either. I didn't hear that. Anything. As the branches were connected, the apples came. And so, all we got to do is stay connected. That's it. Stay connected. And really, it's not about striving. Some of us, we've been striving. I'm striving. I got to do this. I got to, I got to earn this. I got to, I got to achieve this. I didn't know. Stop striving and just surrender. That's my encouragement to you today. Surrender to God. Stop striving. Start receiving him and his presence. And I heard another guy say this. I love this definition of remaining in him. Remaining in him really is this. You and I just relaxing in God. And doesn't that sound good? That's what I want to encourage you to do this week. Relax in God, which really is a posture of surrender, isn't it? Because when I relax, that means I'm not trying to control and strive and make it happen. And I got to, you know, if it's going to be, it's up to me kind of a thing. I just can relax, 
surrender. Okay, God, my, if I'm going to bear fruit, if I'm going to be successful, then I realize I just got to stay connected to you. And the fruit happens. The fruit comes. Stay connected. Remain. Abide. Relax. Surrender. It's just this, it really is not about like, you know, you think about remaining in God, like, do I have to be consciously aware of God every second of the day? No, it's a heart posture, not a mind posture. And so it's just a heart of surrender, like this is how I live my life. Surrendered to God and, and his will and his desires for me and just staying connected to him and growing in awareness of his presence. It's, that's what it's all about and as I do that, I will produce fruit. Jesus said, you and I can do nothing apart from him, which is kind of interesting if you think about it. Nothing? Like I know a lot of people that are doing something and they don't even believe in God. So what does Jesus mean? Nothing? I can do nothing? The truth is you and I can do nothing of kingdom significance apart from him. That's what Jesus is talking about. Nothing of eternal significance apart from, so we got to remain in him so that we can do things that matter in the kingdom, so that we can do things that last for eternity. So what does it mean for you to bear fruit, to bear much fruit? And my encouragement to you this week is to pray about that and think about that. I don't want to describe it. I don't want to define it. I want you to meditate on what does it mean to bear fruit? What's that look like for me, Jesus? When you said, if I remain in you, I will bear much fruit, what do you mean? Think about that this week. And as you grow in understanding that, maybe study it, meditate on it, talk to God about it. And I believe God's going to give you insight, even specifically for you, what it means for you to bear fruit. And what I've learned is that as God begins to teach you and speak to you, you're going to remember that far more than anything I regurgitate in the next few moments. The truth is, most of you are going to forget almost everything I said by tomorrow. But if God speaks to you, you might never forget it. What does it mean to bear fruit? Pray about that this week, okay? Wrestle with that. Think about it. Go to John 15. Read through John 15 again. Jesus, what does this mean? I need to understand this, what it means to bear fruit. Because success in God's kingdom is faithfulness and it's fruit. There's things that are coming out of your life that are good, that are growing, fruit. And remember the goal. The secret to success is really in those two things because success that we're striving for is not worldly success. It is kingdom success. That's, that's what we're going after because in the end, what we want to hear, what I pray you hear is well done, good and faithful servant. It's all that matters, friends. So, use what God has given you. Don't bury it. Multiply it. Grow in that. Be faithful, which is multiplication. Be fruitful. And you, my friend, are being successful. And that's a secret to success in God's kingdom. Would you stand to your feet? We're going to pray. And we're going to take some time. And I'm just going to pray that this gets solidified in our hearts here. So, why don't we go ahead and just... I always love to start this way. Just close our eyes and just take a moment here. Even if you're at home, just close your eyes. If you listen online, close your eyes and just ask God, what are you speaking to me? In light of this message, God, what are you speaking to me? What do you want me to do?
Lord, I want to pray for those who don't know you, that aren't in relationship with you, because that's where the center of your will starts, is knowing you and making you known, being in relationship with you. And so, God, I pray for those people. They're in the room or they're online right now. God, I pray that today would be a day they say yes to you. And they let go of their life. They lay down their life so that they can find life in you. You can give them the life that they long for. If that's you, I just want to encourage you, surrender. Let go. Stop striving. Surrender to him. And put your trust in Jesus. Recognize you've sinned, you've rebelled, you've tried to do it your own way. Instead of trusting him, ask for forgiveness. Receive the grace of God and start serving and following Jesus the rest of your life. Because my prayer is that in the end, you will hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. That's my prayer for you. But it starts today saying yes to Jesus. If that's you, do it today. Say yes to Jesus today. Come to him. Begin a relationship with him and find life in him. For the rest of us, Lord, many of us have already said yes to you, committed to following you. But Lord, I pray that the success we strive for would be kingdom success and not worldly success. Lord, I pray that our hearts would go after you, would long for you, Lord, that would be centered on you above everything else. Because we want to be kingdom first people who seek you and your kingdom and your righteousness, knowing that you'll take care of everything else. So Lord, I pray that we would be kingdom first people. We would go after you, Lord. Put you first in every single area of our life, Lord Jesus. And Lord, I'm praying for uh, the development, the growth, and the multiplication of gifts, Lord, that you've given everybody here. Lord, you've given them so much. Lord, I pray that multiplication would take place out of their life as they faithfully follow and serve you and stay close to you, just remain and abide in you. Lord, I'm praying for fruit. Fruit's going to come out of their life, Lord. Greater fruit, more fruit, abundant fruit. I pray in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, let it be. Amen. Thanks again for listening to this message at Rivers Church. We'd love to have you subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already. To learn more about what's going on in the life of our church community, check us out at riverschurch.co. I pray that this week you would walk in the power and the presence of God. Thanks for joining us.